Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Happy Friday, bitches! Yeah, honey! It is 10.28 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 15th. Smack dab in the middle of the month of January 2021. It is episode 347 of Bitcoin and. Well, and we've got some serious freaking problems going on right now, guys. And we're going to have to pull through it all together like we always have. It's not like it's any different this time. It's not a this time it's a different situation. We're going to get into all that. And um, I'm going to probably have to uh, get into it even further on Monday. We'll get into why I'm saying it like that in here in a minute. But um, yeah, there's some there's some chicanery going on. Let's get into the first one. Um, Elon Musk Twitter scams rake in $580,000 worth of Bitcoin fake Bitcoin giveaway giveaways impersonating the Tesla Motors CEO are spreading all over Twitter by verified accounts. Never trust the blue checks guy. Sharwa Malwa is here from decrypt.co to tell us all about it, baby. What's going on, dude? The number of tweets impersonating Tesla CEO Elon Musk and a fake cryptocurrency giveaway has vastly increased in the past weeks. As per a report on security publication Bleeping Computer on Friday, over $580,000 worth of Bitcoin, the world's largest cryptocurrency, has been siphoned off in this manner. Scammers were found using verified profiles marked by a characteristic blue tick on Twitter and given to influential users to proliferate their malicious Black-hearted deeds, the report added. Twitter has suffered from scams, frauds, and account impersonations ever since its platform became famous in the early 2010s. Scam artists earlier used uh, confidence tricks to gain money from unsuspecting users, but with the rise of cryptocurrencies this last decade, the peculiar giveaway scams gained prominence. These typically saw hackers compromise a popular Twitter account or use bots to propagate an enticing giveaway, usually along the lines of send me one Bitcoin and I'll send you two back, you dumbass. Twitters, or rather Twitterers, have lost millions of dollars to such a simple fraud, which continues even today. Just shows you the number of stupid people in the world. Whatever. Musk has found himself targeted targeted and impersonated by many such scammers. In the latest such instance, scammers have resorted to replying with a Musk-promoted crypto giveaway to tweets published by influential users, often using the compromised uh, verified accounts to gain legitimacy. Some of them targeted the Winklevoss twins, uh, or the Winklevi, co-founders of crypto exchange Gemini, claiming that they were giving out free Bitcoin. 
These tweets are usually like the ones shown in the image below. In this instance, the scammer has attached a link to a malicious site that leads to a medium blog, one that promises to double one's Bitcoin if they first send some to the hacker's address. And needless to say, nothing is ever returned. God, you think? Holy shit. Oh, let's see. And I'm looking at this tweet right now. It's like, it's a reply to the at Bitcoin uh, account. And apparently it's Senator McConnell Press who says, and like, so Bitcoin published a, I don't know, it looks like a price chart, right? It's just a, it's just a GIF image of a price chart. And Senator McConnell Press comes back 16 minutes later and says, have you seen this event yet? Elon made me a rich person. Check it out as soon as possible. Now I have a chance to get a new car and improve my life. Oh, wow. Senator McConnell Press, like you're not rich yet? You're a U.S. senator and you haven't been rolling in the cash like all your other asshole friends? You must be doing it wrong, pal. Have fun staying poor. Scammers have even used custom wallet addresses to say Musk in the address, the report said. One of these, as per the screenshot below, managed to rake in over $5,000 from a transaction, assuming it wasn't the scammer sending Bitcoin to himself to falsify activity. And that does happen. Meanwhile, such scams are not limited to Musk either. Various celebrities, influencers, big name accounts, or just about anyone with a sizable following either see such scams proliferate using their name or with such verified followers replying with their versions of some giveaway scam. Twitter, on its part, said last year that it would introduce new security measures to counteract the growing menace of such scams. Oh, it's a menace. But so far, the hackers seem to have the upper hands, probably because Twitter ain't doing a damn thing. That's just my guess. But uh, yeah, so, ooh, it's, it's bad over in Bitcoin world. And I ain't talking about just the price drop that we're seeing today. Because now, Bitcoin must solve blockchain bloat to sustain its growth. Here we have Decrypt.co yet one more time with a FUD piece. <clears throat> Why am I reading it? You'll understand just let's get through this shit so you know what's being said. Daniel Phillips is saying this one sometime apparently this morning. In the decade plus lifespan of Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency has seen considerable growth in several key areas from adoption to utility and value. But it's also grown in another less desirable way. It's sheer size, bruh. Like every database, decentralized or otherwise, the Bitcoin blockchain stores data. But unlike standard databases, which often see older or unwanted data purged or deleted, the Bitcoin blockchain only gets larger over time since it contains a complete record of all the transactions that ever occurred, including all the data they contain. Nothing ever gets deleted. Feature, not a bug, Daniel. That's a feature. This has caused the Bitcoin blockchain to swell from just over 60 megabytes in January 2011 to over 320 gigabytes 10 years later in January 2021. The Bitcoin blockchain has now been growing at a linear rate for the past four years, adding an average of around 50 gigabytes per year. Shocking, bitches. There are a number of reasons why the Bitcoin blockchain is growing at such a staggering pace. For one thing, there are simply fewer empty blocks now. <gasps> perish the thought, Daniel. Perish the thought. Since the Bitcoin blockchain has been operating at almost maximum capacity for the last four years straight, most blocks are completely full, and there has been no major change in the maximum number of transactions the Bitcoin network can handle in the last two years. 
Despite this, the average size of each block has been slowly increasing since Bitcoin first launched, climbing from 0.02 megabytes in January of 2021 to 0.6 megabytes in January 2016, and finally to 1.3 megabytes in January of 2021. This can be largely attributed to the increased adoption of segregated witness, which allows for a larger total block size while keeping the size of each transaction down. According to Woodbull or Woobull's SegWit adoption chart, there has been a steady uptick in the use of segregated witness transactions since the upgrade was activated in August of 2017 and close to 50% of all transactions are now SegWit. While, or rather, with increasing block size, the rate at which the size of the blockchain grows can be also be expected to increase. At the current average block size of around 1.31 megabytes and 144 blocks mined per day on average, we can expect the Bitcoin blockchain to expand by up to 70 gigabytes in the next year alone. Ooh, 70 gigabytes. I'm so terrified. Sending it to almost an incomplete incomprehensible size of under a terabyte at 400 gigabytes. Daniel, dude, what is like, stop wetting your diapers, man. I don't have enough diapers to keep changing your baby ass. With most popular laptops and tablets still shipping with under 512 gigabytes of storage space, it is becoming increasingly challenging for casual Bitcoin users to dedicate the space necessary to store the entire Bitcoin blockchain. When running a full node, okay, well, likewise, with the cheapest consumer hard drives coming in at around $16 a gigabyte, the what? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Those looking to run a full node will need to spend around $5.12 for the storage to do so in 2021. You see what I'm saying here? Let me read that sentence again. In, in case... Just in case you're kind of spacing out on the road or doing dishes or, you know, cleaning up or whatever it is that you're doing when you're listening to the news. Likewise, with the cheapest consumer hard drives coming in at around $16 a gigabyte. Those looking to run a full node will need to spend $5.12 for the storage to do so in 2021. It, it it is i'm still trying to process that that sentence i even i'm reading it right now i've read it three times now for myself twice to you and once when i was putting the fucking show together 16 dollars a gigabyte really really can somebody go proof that for me because i think that statement's full of shit Though this might be a simple task in many developed countries, it can limit the uptake of Bitcoin in developing economies where the average income per household is much lower. This partially explains why more than 60% of Bitcoin nodes are concentrated in North America and Europe, while Africa and South Asia have just small numbers of online nodes. Despite their large populations, more nodes contribute to a faster, healthier, and more censorship-resistant Bitcoin network. While decentralization is one of the core tenets of Bitcoin-based uh, sorry, blockchain-based cryptocurrencies. Fortunately, there are a number of potential solutions in the works, which could help make running a full node more accessible. Oh, geez, are you going to screw this shit up too? Overall, the cost of hard drives have decreased from a minimum of, oh, okay, well, gee. Overall, the cost of hard drives decreased from a minimum of $0.025 per gigabyte in 2017 down to as little as 
15 cents per gigabyte in 2020, a decrease of 40% in three years. Jesus, he can't even do math. He can't do a minimum of $0.025. Okay, that's two and a half cents per gigabyte in 2017 to as little as 15 cents per gigabyte, down to as little as 15 cents. What? So when does when do you go down from 2.5 cents and and reach 15 cents? Isn't that actually going up? Can somebody teach this man math? This is a decrease of 40% in thir- in 3 years. No, it's not the way you've got it written. If this rate of decline continues, then by 2022 hard drives will get cheaper faster than the Bitcoin blockchain grows in size thereby making it more economical to host a full node over time. But there are also a number of technical solutions to the problem which act to reduce the size of the storage burden on full nodes. One of the most common workarounds is known as a light node. These are essentially nodes that use a a method known as simplified payment verification or SPV to verify transactions instead. These only need to download a small fraction of the blockchain but do need to rely on a third-party full node that hosts the entire blockchain. Another promising solution is UtreeXO, a scaling solution currently being developed by Lightning creators Taj Dreja. According to a July 2020 Medium post by the developer, UtreeXO acts to make Bitcoin nodes smaller and faster by using cryptography to condense the information nodes need to store. Unlike a standard light wallet, this system doesn't rely on an external full node to host the full blockchain and also maintains the user's privacy like a normal full node. However, UtreeXO is still very much in its early development and is currently only available to use as a demonstration release. It will likely be several months, if not years, bullshit, before it is ready for mainstream use. Bitcoin's blockchain will keep on expanding. It's terrifying. That's the nature of blockchains. But if these technical solutions work and they can be implemented, blockchain bloat may no longer present the barrier to Bitcoin's growth that it currently does. That's the end of the article. And it's 100% horseshit. There's some things that he said in there that are true, definitely. But the way that it's laid out, along with the, the catchy headline of Bitcoin must solve blockchain blow to sustain growth, and then giving me metrics that are completely all over the place on how much it is to buy a gigabyte worth of storage, plus insinuating that somehow or another 60 gigabytes is a big fucking deal. It is not a big fucking deal. I'm looking to my left at the back of my desk and I'm looking at my Bitcoin full node, which I can put in my goddamn pocket. Both the one terabyte hard drive and the Raspberry Pi together can fit in the back pocket of my Levi's. You know how much this shit cost me? Like 350 bucks to set the whole thing up. That includes the the case, that includes the Raspi, that includes one terabyte of storage, which is going to be good for a couple of more years. All the connectors and the $99 that I sent over to the MyNode guys because I wanted to support them and I didn't have to do that if I wanted to do manual upgrades. But because I gave them $99, I can do a one-click manual upgrade. It's, It's easy. It is not a big deal. None of this shit is a big deal. And yet here we have this entire article that's bitching and moaning about metrics that don't even make sense. First of all, 60 gigabytes is not a big deal. Second of all, 
I don't even know if this guy understands what the cost of a gigabyte uh, on, uh, uh, on a per base or per gigabyte basis is. He's got numbers all over the place. I mean, what just is ridiculous, man. I mean, well, let me see if I can even find it again. Uh, six uh, for hard, the cheapest consumer hard drives come in at $16 per gigabyte. Okay, well, then later on, he says that there's some, something about uh, the minimum cost of a gigabyte is two and a half cents in 2017, and that's down to as little as 15 cents per gigabyte in 2020, just three years later. It went down from 2.5 cents to 15 cents per gigabyte. I, somebody help me send help immediately. Holy shit. Now this one, the United States Federal Reserve says CBDC is a very high priority to combat bad private sector money. Do you see a pattern forming? This, this shit is all today. I don't even wanna, we will get into what happened yesterday here in a sec, but Greg Thompson's gonna fill us full of bullshit out of Cointelegraph. The United States Federal Reserve needs its own digital currency to protect against a possible overnight proliferation of stablecoin technology says Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. <clears throat> Cryptocurrency stablecoins could become systemically important overnight, says Mr. Powell. Or I guess I should call him Chairman Powell. Or is it Chairman Mao? I don't know. I don't care. And that's why the Fed is determined to get its own central bank digital currency right. Ooh, yeah, like you've got everything else right, huh, pal? CBDCs are the banking industry's answer to cryptocurrency stablecoins. While they are often hosted on the blockchain, they share little in the way of philosophical parity with their decentralized counterparts. CBDCs will be, and that's a central bank digital currency, just so you know, will be overseen by the banks that issue them and will be regulated under the laws of their respected jurisdictions. Cannot wait for Wells Fargo shitcoin. Speaking in an interview with Yahoo Finance, and those fuckers will come back to haunt you here in a little bit. Just wait, pal. Pal said advances in technology had enabled private entities to create their own money and that history has shown this was something to be avoided. Mm-hmm. And how, buddy? Quote, technology has made this possible and effectively private sector actors can create the equivalent of digital money. We know in the past with private sector money, the public sometimes just thinks of it as money. And then at some point they find out that it's not money. That's a very bad thing we need to avoid. <laughs> Sounds like he's reaching for straws, man. Pal can envision a scenario where stable coins are suddenly relevant to a large enough number of people to become systemically important. He said the Fed still doesn't know how it might respond to such an occurrence and admitted that it isn't even close to understanding the risks. <laughs> I can't, I just cannot wait. I cannot wait. Another quote, stable coins could become systemically important overnight and we don't begin to have our arms around the potential risks, how to manage those risks and that public or, or and the public will expect that we do and has every right to expect that. It's a very high priority. Oh yeah, as a high priority as launching a CBDC may be, the Fed won't fall into the trap of trying to be the first. Russia, China, Sweden, Australia, and European Central Bank have all taken steps towards launching a shitcoin of their own. Some are further along than others, but according to Powell, 
the United States is always going to have the first mover advantage because of the dollar status as the world's reserve currency. Quote, since we have the world's reserve currency, we actually think we need to get this right. We don't feel an urge or a need to be first. Effectively, it means we already have first mover advantage because we are the reserve currency. End quote. The hubris here is excruciating. It is absolutely horrendously excruciating that somebody that that has this one-dimensional way of thinking about things that cannot envision any other possible world is in control of the Federal Reserve. If that doesn't scare the living piss out of you, I, I don't know what will. At what point do you figure out that these people have absolutely no idea what they're doing? And that's why everything is so screwed up. We keep giving them power. It's like, it's like, it's like a battery that you refuse to believe is unchargeable and you keep putting it on the charger and you keep getting energy bills as to why, why is my electricity bill so high and why won't this battery ever charge? Get it together. These people are fucking idiots. Sorry for the rant. Powell's laid-back approach to the prospect of leading from behind. Oh, I'm sorry. I spelled CBDC gap emerging between world superpowers wrong, but it isn't shared by everyone. In October, a senior Japanese finance minister warned that China's digital currency could eclipse the fiat monies of world nations if the digital yuan gets first-mover advantage. That's probably what Powell wants. He's probably in the pocket. The president of the Chinese Finance Association dismissed this notion, <laughs> I would too, adding that the digital yuan was not like Libra and that it had no intention of replacing international currencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe you. Any, prospect, any prospective Fed coin is still years away, according to Powell, who is determined to do it right rather than fast, even if it means losing ground to private sector money in the meantime. Quote, we're determined to do it right rather than quickly. And it'll take some time, measured in years, rather than months. Yeah, that's a leading from behind is an excellent, excellent plan, Jerome. Excellent plan. And honestly, I don't really give a shit at this point. Bitcoin doesn't care. I don't care. None of the people that I care about care about any of this that shit either. This whole thing is on fire. It is on fire. It is on fire. It is on fire. If you live in a city, get out. If you can, at if you can do anything in the next year for yourself and your family that will have the most impact on your future happiness and your future in general, get out of the cities. They have been prisons, but they will become even more effective and more visible as prisons in 2021. I'm not shitting you guys. It may be more based on gut feeling, but I'm also looking at a bunch of metrics. I'm seeing people fleeing cities anyway, but 2021 is going to literally be the year of getting the fuck out and getting out fast. So now we have this one to continue with our lesson in pattern recognition of what's going on today. We have Tor-enabled Bitcoin nodes are back after bug on the Tor network. 
Anonymous Tor-enabled Bitcoin nodes normally make up as much as 25% of totally reachable Bitcoin nodes. Helen Parts from Cointelegraph sometime this morning, according to the latest data from Node Monitoring Resource BitNodes, Tor-enabled Bitcoin nodes are back to normal following almost a full swing crash in early January of 2021. As of January the 13th, the number of reachable Tor-based BTC nodes amounted to 2,581, which was up from as few as 122 nodes on January the 9th. Based on BitNodes data, Tor-enabled Bitcoin nodes make up a significant part of the Bitcoin network, normally accounting for about 25% of totally reachable running nodes. According to the latest recorded data, Tor-based nodes made up over 23% of total BTC nodes on January the 23rd. So according to BitNodes, the current number of Bitcoin nodes amounts to 11,190 nodes, up from around 8,300 on January the 7th. The Bitcoin network has been steadily recovering in terms of running BTC nodes after a major outage on the Tor network. So this is, I'm not giving you this story about Bitcoin nodes and, and like FUD about Bitcoin nodes. No, there's an attack on the Tor network or something. Something happened. And all this shit's been happening together at the very first of 2021. I'm telling you guys, strap in. Otherwise, you're going to get thrown off the roller coaster because this is going to be one hell of a ride. A Bitcoin node is a computer connected to other computers to host and synchronize a copy of the entire Bitcoin blockchain and essentially keep the entire network running. Tor-based Bitcoin nodes are a type of node implemented privately using the Tor Anonymous network. The latest dip in Tor-enabled BTC nodes is likely to be caused by a recent crash on the Tor network on January the 10th. Tor project officially announced that the Tor network was ex experiencing instability due to an implementation bug in its V3 Onion service. Tech-focused news agency TechNadu reported that the outage was likely due to a hacking attack. The downtime on the Tor network subsequently affected a large number of Tor-enabled or so-called Onion websites providing Bitcoin private or private Bitcoin wallets and exchanges like Wasabi and Bisc. On January the 11th, Wasabi reported that it had managed to keep its services intact using a fallback system. Quote, if the Tor Onion service of the backend comes, becomes unavailable for the user, the wallet falls back to communicating with the backend's clear net endpoint still over Tor, Wasabi wrote. So now we got an attack on, on the Tor network in general. Okay, so it didn't, I mean, honestly, they should have just said, by the way, this affects a whole shit ton more than just Bitcoin nodes, because it does. The Tor network was attacked. V3 shit went down all over the place. People were lucky to keep their shit online. I, you know, this is all happening very, very fast. Okay. This is, this is like coming around the same time as Trump getting banned on Twitter. Got you know, like, oh, and the insurrection, I've got that shit in air quotes because insurrection's a little bit of an overkill word, but because propaganda is what propaganda is and you're being literally stewed in it along with me, it's not like I'm, I'm you know, somewhere in heaven or something like that. We're all getting stewed in propaganda and, and misguidance and misinformation and bullshit. And now we're experiencing attack, attack, attack on Tor networks and private networks. And we're also being flooded through mainstream media of every single way that you can be misinformed or fed FUD. That's what I'm trying to get at. And it doesn't stop 
there. Osato Ivan Namayo is writing this one for Cointelegraph. Crypto anti-terrorism bill introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives. And it was written this morning. A bipartisan group of representatives has introduced a bill to the House that seeks to create a task force focused on combating terrorist financing via, you guessed it, a cryptocurrency. Uh-huh. U.S. Representative Ted Budd, a Republican from, I guess, North Carolina, has sponsored a new new piece of legislation aimed at creating an agency. Of course, we have to have an agency. A blue, we need a, a blue ribbon task force for combating the use of cryptocurrencies and frickin' terrorist financing. At least it's not for the children. The bill, H.R. 296, is co-sponsored by Representatives Warren Davidson, a Republican from Ohio, Stephen Lynch, a Democrat from Massachusetts, Brian Donalds, a Republican from Florida, and Darren Soda, a Democrat from Florida, and was introduced on Wednesday. Yes, that's right. Both sides of the aisle decided to wrap a giant steaming ball of shit into a baby diaper and hand it up to the front of the class. Oh, man, I'm so proud to be part of this freaking democracy apart from creating the task force, the bill also seeks to, quote, provide rewards for information leading to convictions related to terrorist use of digital currencies, to establish a fintech leadership in innovation and financial intelligence program to encourage the development of tools and programs to combat terrorists and illicit use of digital currencies and for other purposes. I wonder what those other purposes are, end quote. Following the introduction, the bill was referred to the Committee on Financial Services and the Committee on the Budget for Preliminary Deliberations. Representative Bud is a known supporter of crypto and blockchain in Congress. In 2019, Rep. Bud championed <clears throat> the call for greater clarity in the country's crypto tax laws. He also introduced a couple of bills to the House aimed at improving the regulatory standard of the industry in the United States. While anti-money laundering and combating the financing of terrorism continue to be a major anti-crypto talking point for several government agencies, cryptocurrency forensic data points to limited adoption of virtual currencies by terrorist organizations. Back in May of 2020, blockchain intelligence outfit Chainalysis debunked claims that ISIS owned about $300 million in Bitcoin. However, the U.S. Justice Department has reportedly seized crypto funds. Oh, yeah, seize this, honkus. Allegedly belonging to ISIS and Al-Qaeda terrorist networks. In June of 2020, reports had emerged that ISIS-affiliated media platforms were collecting donations in Monero, a popular privacy coin. Meanwhile, and here it comes. Chainalysis has published a report stating that some participants in the recent riot at the United States Capitol received large Bitcoin donations from a French computer programmer a month before the incident. According to the crypto forensics firm, the donor, now dead, had a history of supporting causes that espoused far-right political and social ideologies. Pause for effect. U.S. law enforcement uh, officials are reportedly investigating the possible links between the donations and the planning of the riot. Okay. And there it is. The ball drops right there. I think on Monday, um, I, I'm, it depends on what's in the, the, two, the, the report from Chainalysis and a certain Yahoo news story that came down uh, yesterday. It depends on 
how long they are as to whether I read them both. But it's I, I get the feeling there's enough information that even if I don't read them word for word like I normally try to do for you guys, um, I then there may be enough to digest for a complete hour-long show on just those two things. And the FUD that we're experiencing right now, honestly, what I saw with the Yahoo News story, okay, so, okay, well, let me just kind of back up just a little bit. Yesterday, Yahoo, I, I think it was Yahoo Finance, dropped this story that the Proud Boys and far-right, alt-right people were being financed by Bitcoin. It said Bitcoin in the title, not cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, right? So, and it's a long article. <clears throat> I haven't read the whole thing yet because it's just, it's hard to read because it's so full of complete bullshit that it's very difficult to read. But I think this one, I think we're entering a time in 2021 and everybody's like, hey man, this shit's gonna rip our faces off. I think that more shit's gonna happen than just price action on Bitcoin. I don't think this is gonna be a fun year. I mean, I think it's gonna be fun for us because we always have fun staying poor, right? But um, <clears throat> no, this is, something's going on. Something's brewing. Between decrypt.co, plant and fud bullshit, I got, I mean, hell, even it even looked like uh, some of the Cointelegraph stuff that I read has got a bunch of crap in it. I, there's a Coindesk thing that I read that's got like, you know, some, some crap in it. I'm seeing crap coming everywhere starting from yesterday. Okay, in that Yahoo, fin uh, Yahoo Finance um, article was the link to the chain analysis report. I believe that that entire article was written completely on the back of that chain analysis report. And I think the guys at chain analysis are fomenting an attack on Bitcoin, whether by themselves or in concert with, knowingly in concert with other entities to attack Bitcoin using the deep divisions of the United States as it stands right now. That's what I believe that they're doing. I have never liked chain analysis. I think it I think everybody that works there should quit and go find other employment or just jump off a bridge or otherwise kill your fucking self. You have no business here anymore. Everything about what you do, what you stand for, all you people at chain analysis need to go away because what you're doing is you're destroying, you're, you're not actually not going to destroy shit. You're just going to make it as hard as humanly possible for humanity to move forward out of this mire of bullshit that we've been in for 2,000 years and longer than that. I'm sorry, man. I don't mean to be all ranty, but this shit is coming down the pipe. Okay? It's coming down the pipe. Let's run the numbers. Bitcoin is at $36,066.27. I'm going to have a high over at GDAX at $36,190. And I do believe that the number, the 6627 uh, number was the lowest. We have 337,000 transactions being performed in the last 24 hours. With, and that's 14,000 transactions on average every hour. 
Still sub 1 million BTC being sent. 766,169 BTC. It has been sent in the last 24 hours. That's 31,924 BTC being sent on average per hour. And we have a average transaction value of, was it 2.27 BTC, a median transaction value of 0.026 BTC, which is right at 950 bucks. Block times scant low, nine minutes, 48 seconds. We have 1.06 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, 155.19 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. An 8% drop in hash rate puts us right at 147 exahashes per second. Dogecoin almost back up to a cent, 0.0092 US dollars. And at 28,000 transactions per second, it ain't beating nobody but Ethereum Classic. Uh, let's say major indices. Oh, yeah, I did this wrong. Oh, well, legacy indices usually come first, but they can take a backseat to Bitcoin today. I don't mind. We got the S&P 500 down right now at half a point. NASDAQ's down half a point. Dow Jones is down half a point. The FTSE's down almost a full point. Nikki's down 0.62. Hang Seng is up. Shanghai is up. The VIX is clearly up. Uh, let's see. What do we got in futures? Oh, God, dude. Oil took another hit today. It is down 2.18%. West Texas International, or sorry, West Texas Intermediate crude coming in at $52.40 for a barrel. Gold. What did gold do? Oh, well, hold on. Natural gas is up 2.3, or it just switched over 2.4%. Uh, $2.73 going to buy you a thousand MCF of that shit. Gold, speaking of other shit, is down 1.2%. Silver's down almost 4%. Holy crap. And copper is down 1.69%. Now, let's see what Clark Moody has to say about things. 75,000 transactions are going to need 93 blocks to clear. We have 18,601,156.65 BTC in the money supply. We have captured 5.58% of gold's market capitalization and one Bitcoin will buy you 19.4 ounces of gold. We have a total market capitalization of $668.5 billion. There is 1,041 Bitcoin in the Lightning Network. That is $37.4 million worth of United States dollar capacity. That's running over 8,275 nodes with 36,177 channels. We've had a small decrease in Tor capacity. 52.3% of the Lightning Network is being run over Tor at this time. And that means that there are 544.53 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to round two of the morning roundup. Now, the first part of today's show was clearly demonstrating what kind of FUD is coming out of the woodwork. We have all going to list this show as a compare and contrast kind of show. And the contrast here, Honey Badger doesn't care. It doesn't care. Bitcoin Core 0 0.21.0 release. So what's new by Aaron Von Weirdham writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, Honey Badger just doesn't give a shit. Let's see. Today marks the official release of Bitcoin Core 21.0, the 21st major release of Bitcoin's original 
software client launched by Satoshi Nakamoto about 12 years ago. Oh, 21. Get it? 21 million? 21 club? If you were around in those days, uh, Bitcoin Core is 0.21.0. So, Honey Badger, 21 years old. <laughs> Let's just call it that. Overseen by Bitcoin Core lead maintainer of Vladimir von der Lan. I'm sorry I've butchered your name. This latest major release was developed by well over 100 contributors in the span of about six months. The result of over 600 merged pull requests, Bitcoin Core 21.0 is one of the largest Bitcoin Core releases in recent years, introducing various new features as well as privacy and performance improvements while taking a big step towards the Schnorr Taproot Protocol upgrade. Below are notable changes. Descriptor wallets. First up, when coins are sent to a Bitcoin address, what actually happens under the hood is that they are locked up in an unspent transaction output or UTXO only or rather to only be unlocked or spent in a later transaction if the conditions hidden in the UTXO are met. A typical condition is the inclusion of a valid signature corresponding to a specific public key. But conditions can, for example, also consist of the inclusion of a secret code, the lapse of a time lock, or a combination of signatures, i.e. multisig. Until now, Bitcoin Core was designed to manage the UTXOs in its wallet around their corresponding private keys, even though private keys are just one of several potential conditions for spending coins. Bitcoin Core 21.0 instead introduces descriptor wallets. Descriptor wallets lets users categorize their UTXOs based on the type of conditions that are required to spend them. For example, one wallet for UTXOs that just require a valid signature and one wallet for a multi-sig UTXO. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Descriptor wallets are especially useful for application developers who design softwares on, software on top of Bitcoin Core. A particular application can now easily be designed to utilize only a specific type of UTXO like multi-sig and ignore any non-multi-sig UTXOs. <clears throat> Multi, uh, rather regular users may also notice a difference now that descriptor wallets are implemented. Perhaps most notably, no default wallet can be created when a new Bitcoin Core node is started up. Instead, a new wallet is only created when a user specifically chooses to do so, allowing them to create only the specifically desired type of wallet. Descriptor wallets also better support watch-only wallets, and those are wallets that keep track of certain UTXOs, even though that the node doesn't have the private keys needed to spend them. Bitcoin Core users that upgrade the Bitcoin Core or upgrade to Bitcoin Core 0.21.0 will still be able to use their legacy wallets for now. Legacy wallets will eventually be deprecated, meaning users will need to migrate their legacy wallet to a descriptor wallet. But this won't be strictly necessary until a future Bitcoin Core release. I'm going to stop right there. That scares the piss out of me. I don't like that. Man in coma does not like that. Man in the coma does not like that. Come on, guys. You've got to be able to support all the shit from the past. Okay, so I, I rarely ever go after the Bitcoin Core developers, and I'm not really doing much than just kind of gnashing at them right now. But dude, what? I mean, honestly, if I fell into a coma today, if I came out of the coma in 20 years from now, am I hosed because of this? If I'm hosed because of this, then I don't want to buy you a pizza or a beer. You, okay, I will deal with it. Like clients. Okay, compact block filters 
over the peer-to-peer -peer network or like clients or Bitcoin wallets and applications that don't download and download and validate the entire Bitcoin blockchain, but instead only download and validate parts of blocks and transactions that concern them specifically. This is not optimally secure, but it is much less resource intensive. One popular way to do this is with Bloom filters. In short, Bloom filters are a cryptographic trick to request relevant data from more or less random peer nodes on the network. Unfortunately, however, it has become clear over the years that Bloom filters are rather privacy unfriendly. They, they essentially reveal all of the user's addresses to the more or less random peer node which could of course be operated by privacy invading snoopers. A new and much more privacy preserving alternative to the Bloom filter is called a compact client side block filter uh, or BIP 157 158. Compact client side block filtering essentially turns the Bloom filter trick on its head. Instead of light wallets creating filters to send to full nodes, full nodes create filters for each block and send these to light clients upon request. Light clients then use these filters to figure out if transactions relevant to them may have been included in a block. If so, the light wallet will fetch the whole block and pick any relevant transaction data out of it. Existing Bitcoin core releases could already create the filters locally and make them available through a remote procedure called RPs or remote procedure call or known as, or also known as RPC for applications running on top of the node like wallets. Bitcoin core 21.0 now also includes the option to make these filters available over Bitcoin's peer to peer network upon request. This makes it possible to now operate standalone like clients that use Bloom filters. See, this is honestly, this is kind of like why I don't really worry all that much about the future of Bitcoin or like the, the regulators. We're going to we're going to do this. It's like, yeah, in a week, it's going to be rendered ridiculous. Right. So whatever. Uh, fewer rebroadcast attempts. Besides Bloom filters, snoops can also break the privacy of Bitcoin users through network analysis. If they can figure out from which node a particular transaction originated, that node's Bitcoin address can be tied to its IP address, which can in turn be associated with a real world identity. Until now, when Bitcoin core nodes broadcasted a transaction to the Bitcoin network, they try to rebroadcast the transaction every 15 minutes until the transaction was included in a block. This meant that if these Bitcoin core nodes were connected to a snooping peer, it would be obvious for the snoop that the Bitcoin core node trying to rebroadcast a certain transaction every 15 minutes was also the node where the transaction originated. Bitcoin Core 21.0 greatly diminishes the frequency with which it tries to rebroadcast transactions only once every 12 to 36 hours. Having to rebroadcast less frequently makes it much more likely that the transaction has been confirmed since the initial broadcast, so the node is less likely to have to rebroadcast at all. In future Bitcoin Core releases, this privacy leak will be fixed entirely. A Bitcoin Core node will then only rebroadcast transactions that should have been confirmed based on its own mempool and fee calculations. Furthermore, it will rebroadcast other transactions as well, not just its own. Tor V3 support. Okay, we just got finished talking about the Tor V3 hack shit. So thankfully, none of the nodes were actually using V3 at that point, but now they are. Due to a recent upgrade to the privacy preserving Tor protocol, new V3 or version three Tor addresses are longer than the V2 addresses that came before them. V2 addresses are still in use, but will be deprecated in about a year from now. Sorry for you, man in the coma. 
<clears throat> or Tor user in the coma. Uh, deprecation of V2 addresses would have a posed uh, or would have posed a problem for Bitcoin Core users who want to use Bitcoin over the privacy network. Bitcoin Core nodes find peers by sharing with each other Tor addresses of known Tor using Bitcoin nodes. They share this through the same message they use to share other nodes via IP addresses. While Tor V2 addresses could be hidden in the regular IP address format, Tor V3 addresses are too long for that. In other words, the current messages are too limited to be compatible with the Tor upgrade. Bitcoin 21.0 therefore introduces a new format to share IP slash Tor addresses with peers. These messages can be big enough to share the Tor V3 addresses. Schnorr and Taproot code and Signal and RegTest or Signet and RegTest deployment. All right, Schnorr Taproot is poised to be Bitcoin's first protocol upgrade since a SegWit in August of 2017. Having been in development for well over two years, the Schnorr signature algorithm is considered an all-around improvement over Bitcoin's current ECDSA signature algorithm. I believe that's ecliptic curve uh, type of signature. In combination with Taproot, a clever trick to hide various conditions to spend coins in a cryptographic hash tree, the upgrade promises to offer more smart contract flexibility in a scalable and privacy-preserving manner. The Schnorr taproot code is now included in Bitcoin Core 21.0, barring unexpected developments. This means it will not be subject to any more change, which, for example, means that application developers could start designing software around the upgrade. In addition, Schnorr taproot is now available on Signet, which is a newer and more reliable variant of Testnet, used by developers to test new Bitcoin software and potentially also on reg tests, which is additional local testnet variants. Schnorr Taproot will not, however, be available on Bitcoin's mainnet yet. Uh, for this, the upgrade will first need to activate, which requires activation logic that isn't yet included in this particular Bitcoin Core release. Activation logic is expected to be included in a minor Bitcoin Core release, possibly somewhere in the next few months. On top of the changes above, 21.0 includes various bug fixes and performance improvements that won't be apparent for regular users. The Bitcoin Core wallet will, for example, switch from using the Berkeley database to the SQLITE or SQLite database, which is better suited as an application data file and offers several guarantees in regards of compatibility, support, and testing of interest is also that Bitcoin Core 21.0 includes a transaction request overhaul the new message protocol that Bitcoin nodes use to learn about new transactions is better tested, better specified, and easier to maintain and review. So there you go. It's it, it's here. Now, again, remember, just because Taproot and Schnorr is included on this upgrade, it is not active yet. But it's there, which means that by the time activation even remotely becomes, you know, becomes the thing chances are very good all the miners and all the node runners will already have 21.0 installed and if it has caused bugs those will have been worked out i again other than having some problems with man in the coma situations i'm thankful that the bitcoin core developers are still kicking complete ass uh still though they should have they should have respected man in the coma a little bit more uh tim copeland is going to tell us again why Bitcoin doesn't seem to care about the coordinated FUD coming down the pipe. 
Elon Musk is starting to truly understand Bitcoin. This is from Decrypt.co, who has, as of late, been a publication that is getting to be on my bad side because of all the FUD that they shit out. Anyway, Tesla CEO Elon Musk has been particularly active in a specific tweet thread about Bitcoin recently. It started when Bitcoin billionaire's author Ben Mirch, or whatever, said that in future he would never turn down getting paid in Bitcoin, a sentiment that Musk agreed with. But the discussion has continued and become even more interesting. While Musk's tweet received a lot of replies, it was a comment by Parallax Digital CEO Robert Breedlove that got his attention. Breedlove who is a bit of a Bitcoin wordsmith, wrote that, quote, money is simply a tool for moving value across space-time. Gold was great for moving value across time, but not space, because <laughs> it's fucking heavy. Fiat currency is great for moving value across space, but not time. <laughs> it's because it's shitty fiat currency and you can just print the crap out of it. That's why weight of gold solves the printing problem. That's... it. Anyway, Breedlove continues, Bitcoin is optimized for moving value across both space and time. So Elon Musk says, the thing we call money is just an information system for labor allocation. What actually matters is making goods and providing services. We should look at currencies from an information theory standpoint, whichever has least error and latency will win. Uh. He's, he does get it, but I don't think he's starting to get it. I think he always got it. I think he got it before they even got PayPal off the ground. I don't think Elon Musk is an idiot. I'm not a big fan of Tesla, but I kind of am a f fan of Elon. He's batshit crazy, and he's also kind of like Honey Badger. He just doesn't care. And here Musk disagreed and said, well, I don't I think he actually is disagreeing. I, I really... I don't think he's disagreeing at all. But anyway, he said the thing that Musk said is what, but never mind, let's continue. Musk has held this position for some time. In January of 2020, on the Third Row Tesla podcast, he explained that Bitcoin had some use for illegal payments on the dark web, but that it wouldn't become the main currency of the future. Quote, where I see crypto is, as a, is effectively a replacement for cash but not as a replacement for a primary. I do not see crypto being the primary database, he said at the time. But this comes back to the payments slash store of value debate that still rages on today. This is whether Bitcoin should be used for everyday payments like buying coffee or whether it's more of a hedge against inflation in this sense, favorably referred to as digital gold. Dan Held, head of growth at crypto exchange Crack and explained to Decrypt last month that it means to call Bitcoin dig digital gold. I don't need to store my coffee transaction in an immutable ledger. I don't give a shit if they try to censor my coffee transaction. Go ahead, buddy. It's fine. I'll figure out another way, he said, before explaining that being able to store value away from inflation was a much bigger mission that justifies all the expense of maintaining the Bitcoin blockchain. And this is roughly what another commentator told Musk on the Twitter thread. Quote, granted, it has latency and transaction costs, but if used as a store of value and transmission of large values, it is massively efficient. Currencies already work as currencies. Bitcoin need not replace them. Rather, BTC is a patch to fix reserve banks. Inflationary insanity, wrote the Twitter user known as Cerebus. Ooh, Cerebus, I like that guy. And Cerebus, or uh, Elon Musk, wrote back to Cerebus and said, good point. 
Cerebus is a good guy. If you're not following Cerebus, you go go find him on on Twitter. He's 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 all right. So there's a couple things about this. Just to let you know where where I'm thinking of, Bitcoin can be both a store of value, a hedge against you know by being a hedge against inflation. Um, it can be a a a settlement. Well, it's definitely a final settlement for everything. But for like you know moving large blocks of value around, uh, it's highly efficient. I mean, I can put a billion dollars into a transaction for like three dollars and have it halfway across or all the way to the opposite side of the planet in 10 minutes. Nobody else can do that with anything else. I'm sorry, it just it just cannot happen. However, it's it's almost as if people are blind to the notion of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh layer effects, right? Those things will be built. Final settlement doesn't need to be a single transaction. Final settlement can be say, "Hey, we collected up a hundred thousand coffee transactions, and honestly, at this point, it's worth like they're all Starbucks, so it's worth five hundred million dollars because seven dollar coffees, and we we're just going to go ahead and settle that shit. And by by the time it's all said and done, and you batch it from the third layer to the second layer, and then batch a whole shit ton of those together into the final settlement layer that is Bitcoin, you've got your payment system. Stop bitching. I'm so sick of nobody being able to look into the future and say, what can we build on top of this? There's where the payments go on top of Bitcoin. You don't have to make a Bitcoin transaction to get coffee. You can make a third, a third order Bitcoin transaction that settles into the second order Bitcoin transaction, which settles onto the fucking main blockchain. I don't understand what's the difficulty of this. How come this is so difficult to envision from everybody under the sun? I'm not particularly bright and I get it. Why can't anybody else get it? Jesus, why Bitcoin is the most undervalued asset in 2021? I don't know, maybe because there's only 21 million of them and you can do shit like finals. Let's just get into it by Faram Amadi, writing for Bitcoin Magazine sometime today. Or was it? No, it was yesterday. According to Bloomberg, Bitcoin's 9 million percent rise makes it the best performing asset of the last decade. But what if I told you that even in 2021, Bitcoin is still the most undervalued asset that there is? All right. So let's get into just a couple of these because it's like a, a long list and we're coming up on an hour. Um, if you are one of the people that has thought about putting money into Bitcoin, but just could not pull the trigger, then you are not alone. The crypto community today is flooded with people who unfortunately do not understand the fundamentals lying behind these digital assets. So let's look at a couple of them. Um, after the barter system, historically gold has always been used as a medium of exchange, but because gold is not portable as time passed, we established a currency system. As such, we could print currency only if we had an equivalent amount of gold in reserve. As the sphere of influence of the United States grew bigger, slowly the monetary system evolved in a way that all the currencies in the world were fixated to the dollar, but the dollar was still backed by gold. So at its core, it was still the same thing. The biggest blow to the financial system was President Richard Nixon in 71, announcing that the United States dollar was no longer backed by gold. Uh, where were they even currencies anymore or just pieces of paper? Regardless, this gave rise to our current financial system, the fiat monetary system. So our current fiat system 
is not backed by anything. This is a problem on so many different levels. In the case of Bitcoin, at least, its value can be explained in terms of the mining power contributed to the network. But here, there is no actual explanation, really. The only reason that a piece of paper has value is because the government enforces it. Now, because the fiat system is not backed by anything, this means that there is no real limit on the amount of money that the Federal Reserve can print. When you keep printing currency, it is as if you are robbing people of the money they already hold. The more you increase the supply of the money, the more it takes from the purchasing power that was already in circulation. This leads to inflation. So now people have to pay more of their money to get the same fucking thing. And that is due to no fault of their own. Another huge problem is it with the current financial system is that it is being regulated by the central bank. The central bank is the actual authority behind transactions. When you see all of these people in hell, even countries get sanctioned, they lose access to their money. Have you ever thought about that? Have you realized that in the current financial system, people do not really own their money? <laughs> so you can work for 60 years, earn a decent amount of savings, but at any point in time, the central bank can decide that for one reason or another, you are no longer eligible for the benefits of your years of hard work. I'm not saying that this will happen. All I'm saying is that there's a possibility that it can happen. So now that we understand the monetary system, how does Bitcoin solve any of these freaking problems? Let's go first to the inflation rate. Unlike the unlimited pr printing of fiat currency, the total supply of Bitcoin is capped at 21 million. Bitcoin has a reducing rate of inflation, and as soon as the last Bitcoin is mined in 2140, the rate of inflation will reach effectively zero. You would no longer be able to create a Bitcoin, so that pretty much takes care of the inflation problem. Next is the question of third-party authority. When you transfer money in the current system, it is the bank that performs the transfer, not you. They literally update numbers within two accounts involved in the transfer, subtracting an amount from one and adding it to another. Yes, it is this simple. But then the question remains, how can you do business with people without any authority actually auctioning or actioning those transactions? That's where Bitcoin comes into play. Bitcoin is peer-to-peer -peer network. When you do a certain transaction on Bitcoin, the blockchain is updated by all of your peers. It means everyone is an authority on the Bitcoin blockchain. So if everyone is an authority, that means technically no one is an authority. That is why we never have to worry about central bank regulations when it comes to Bitcoin to boil it down. On one side, we have a financial system which is leading to an insane amount of inflation, a system which is backed by nothing, a system that is completely controlled by central authority. And on the other side, you have a system that has almost no inflation, a peer-to-peer -peer network that has no central authority. And the cherry on top of that is that the fees are significantly less in Bitcoin when compared to our current fiat system. Okay, so there's, I mean, there's a lot more to Bitcoin than that. There's a lot more, but those are effectively, that's effectively, you know, you can base a good elevator pitch on this particular article. Thank you, Fahim. I really appreciate you kind of boiling the ocean down for uh, my listeners like that. Uh, Galaxy is entering Bitcoin mining and launches financial service unit for miners. So Mike Novogratz, Jumping in with uh, apparently both feet and sinking all the way up to his neck. Mary Huliet's going to tell us about it from Cointelegraph. And she says this, Galaxy Digital, the financial services and cryptocurrency investment management firm founded by Mike Novogratz, has set his sights on establishing a footing in the Bitcoin mining sector. Now, let's just pause. Getting into mining is a bitch. It is a bitch. It's a hell of a bitch. 
So anybody who's saying that they're already going to do it has a damn good reason to do it. They've run numbers. They've got spreadsheets. They're talking to accountants and they're like, I'm honestly, they're around a table and they figured out, holy shit, we can make money, which means that Bitcoin mining is probably just coming into its own. It's probably just now coming into its own, which is kind of ludicrous to say because Bitcoin mining has been around since day one, but it went from CPU mining to GPU mining to, I can't remember that there was something uh, like FASICS or something right before ASICS. And we are now in the ASIC age of Bitcoin mining. I guarantee you, we will see a new technology come out and Mike wants to be in it because after a year of increasingly diversifying its products and activities, the company has announced two new forays into the Bitcoin mining sector. The first will be a new business unit that Galaxy describes as a one-stop financial services platform for miners. Dubbed Galaxy Digital Mining, the unit is being led by Amanda Fabiano, formerly the director of mining at Fidelity Investments. In a brief snapshot of her background in financial services, Galaxy notes Fabiano's experience in working with non-traditional securitization, real asset financing, structured products, investment banking, and strategic advisory. How does she sleep? Honestly, man, Galaxy services for miners will, at the outset, encompass trading and risk management, investing and lending, as well as corporate advisory. Co-president Chris Ferraro has given some insight into where Galaxy Digital Mining fits into the company's overall roadmap. Quote, we see major opportunities in mining project financing, equipment financing, digital asset-backed financing, as well as working capital optimization and hedging solutions. Uh, probably uh, uh, hash rate hedging. Anyway, alongside miner-focused financial services, Galaxy Digital Mining has also created a proprietary Bitcoin mining operation and is reportedly hosting its rigs at a third-party data center in the United States. You know what? Let's just let it go right there. Clearly, Mike's getting into the damn game, and it's not because he wants to have fun staying poor. I guarantee you that shit. First mover, Biden's $1.9 trillion plan shows blue wave Bitcoiners saw coming. Coindesks. Uh, oh, this is, oh, Sebastian Sinclair, Amkar Godbol, and Bradley Kuhn's writing this one together. Uh, let's see here. Uh, do, 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 Bitcoin was trading lower at the $38,000 level where prices have gravitated for the past week. The market price or market faces price resistance around $41,000 with support seen at around the $34,000 mark. Warner, sorry, <laughs> at seen at around $34,000. Mark Warner, head of trading for London-based BCB Group, a financial firm focused on digital assets, said in comments emailed by a spokeswoman, quote, a move above 42,000 will likely see a resumption of heady gains saw last week, Warner said. Prices are up 29% so far. So, where are we at? First mover wrote in October how a blue wave is then upcoming U.S. elections. Full control of the government by Joe Biden's Democratic Party could lead to trillions of dollars of new government spending on coronavirus relief and economic stimulus. Well, that wave has arrived in the form of a $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package proposed late Thursday by U.S. President-elect Biden, creepy Joe. And some Wall Street analysts are now wondering openly if the economy and markets are becoming hooked on stimulus. <laughs> you're, you're, now you're wondering? 
<laughs> Quote, the market is back to an expectation that more fiscal stimulus is all but inevitable, Ed Mills of the stock brokerage firm Raymond James wrote earlier Friday in his note to clients. Cryptocurrency investors could jump straight to the implication the Federal Reserve might need to print trillions of new dollars to help finance any extra borrowing by the United States Treasury Department. That, in turn, could spur more demand for Bitcoin, seen by a growing number of investors as a hedge against inflation. <laughs> what else you got? Quote, stimulus targets could or steadily increase on any setbacks with the coronavirus pandemic. And that has been one of the fundamental reasons why many continue to pile into Bitcoin. Edward Moya, a New York-based senior market analyst for the London-based foreign exchange broker Oanda, uh, wrote in an email note, Biden's proposal announced in a speech earmarks $1 trillion for families and individuals and more than $400 billion to combat the pandemic directly, including money to accelerate vaccine deployment and safely reopen schools. Well, here in Texas, our schools are relatively open, so... Uh, I don't know where you live, but my kids are at school. I'm just saying. Uh, there's also $350 billion of aid for state and local governments. Democrats set to become the majority party in both chambers of Congress might use a budget reconciliation process to push the legislation through with a simple majority of votes, according to Mills at Raymond James. We would note <clears throat> that it would not prevent them from a second reconciliation package later this year. Oh, I hope so. Let, let the money printers roll, baby. I got, I got to feed the corn. During the 2020 fiscal year that ended in September, the United States budget deficit hit a record $3.1 trillion, swollen from government relief packages signed by the Orange Man as the coronavirus-related lockdowns devastated the economy. They should say, and continues to devastate the economy. Ian Shepardson, chief economist for the forecasting firm Pantheon, predicts that the U.S. budget deficit could reach $4 trillion during the current fiscal year. No, that's a foregone fucking conclusion, pal. With the economy now suffering from the recent uptick in coronavirus-related cases and vaccine rollout still months away, fiscal discipline looks unlikely. A government report Thursday revealed a bigger-than-expected increase in weekly unemployment claims to $965,000, the highest since August. The past year's shift toward remote working represents another potential source of widespread dislocation. Not to fear, though, as Scott Anderson, chief economist at San Francisco Bank, San Francisco-based Bank of the West, a unit of the giant French bank BNP Parabis, told clients Thursday, quote, while the latest jobless claims report is sobering, the $900 billion coronavirus aid package recently passed and the promise of more fiscal aid coming shortly from the Biden administration should deliver some much-needed support to the unemployed and businesses in the current quarter until service sector businesses are allowed to reopen as more Americans receive the vaccine. Mm -hmm. You know what? It's all bullshit. So let's just skip the rest of that bad news and come right here. Bitcoin's two-day rally has stalled. As the United States dollar gains ground in the wake of President-elect Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion fiscal st stimulus proposal. Um, but the pullback marks a weak follow-through to the two-day rise, which saw prices revisit $40,000 resistance. The lack of a bullish response by the Bitcoin market is perhaps surprising, given that the fiscal and monetary stimulus is seen as inflationary, and Bitcoin is seen by a growing number of investors as a store of value. The strength of the United States dollar against major currencies could be playing spoil sport 
with the greenback gaining in foreign exchange markets earlier on Friday. Over the past year, Bitcoin prices have shown increasingly negative correlation with the United States dollar, meaning they typically move in opposite directions. All right, so guys, this is coming. Now, I heard heard a talk earlier today that the stimulus package got dropped to 1.1 trillion. I don't know if it's true. I haven't seen any confirmation. It's just stuff that was coming across my Twitter feed. In either event, that's not going to help. And they're going to have to do it again and again and again. This you Buckle up for 2021. And not just buckle up. I hope the hand, hand hold that is bolted to the wall in front of you on your roller coaster car is not loose. Because this shit is going to swing in ways you cannot possibly imagine. So here's what you should do. Keep some powder on hand, right? Keep it on hand so that you can buy your dips. Keep that powder dry. Don't, don't start putting it into like, you know, start paying off credit card bills and shit like that with it. Unless, unless you're freaking destitute and you really need to get rid of that shit, then yeah, by all means, you know, go ahead and do what you need to do for yourself at the time because I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're going through. But if you can, you keep this money from the government. And if I were you, I would start buying Bitcoin slowly or fast or, but, but, you know, try to look for dips, buy the dips. Don't shut, you know, throw it all in one wad, you know, and don't mortgage your house. Don't, I, I don't know that lots of people are calling me crazy that I'm giving advice like this. And maybe I am, maybe I should go get a, a loan to buy Bitcoin, but I don't know, man. That scares the living piss out of me. It just does. Not because I'm worried about Bitcoin, just because there's any number of other things that could happen that would screw that deal up. So that's why I don't do it. Just find a pile of cash. You know, creepy Joe's about to hand you some. Throw it into Bitcoin on a daily cost average basis. <clears throat> Set it up for like 10 bucks a day on Swan Bitcoin or River. Well, you can't do it on River Financial, but... I think Swan has a, a minimum of 10 bucks. Uh, you can do it on Cash App. I'm pretty sure River Financial has a minimum buy of $100 worth. Uh, look into that because I may be wrong or they may have changed it. In either event, Creepy Joe, we're going to feed the corn for you, pal. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.